Well, it is good to be with you today. I want to welcome everybody, whether you're seated at one of the campuses today or whether you're joining us online. Uh, we are grateful that you would take the time for us to be able to gather together to worship today. I'm encouraged and excited about being able to share with you today. Um, I also want to take this opportunity to invite you to Easter services because we are just four weeks away. Right now, somebody online just went, I think we got the wrong service. I think, I think we got the wrong service. This is not the lie. You, you, you got the right one. This is May the 16th, and we are four weeks away from Easter services. We have been journeying through the book of, of Luke. We're in chapter 20. There's only 24 chapters. Do you know what happens at the end? Yeah, absolutely. It's Easter. And so seriously, I got to thinking about it. It's like we always say we should celebrate the resurrection. Like every time we come together, it's like, well, why don't we do that? And so on June the 13th, we're going to have Easter around here. Are you game? It's like, and this time, like those of you who normally at Easter, your head is on the fact that you have to prepare a meal for 100 of your family members to show up that day. You don't have to do that if you don't want to this time. And if you don't want to buy a new shirt to wear for Easter services, you don't have to buy a new shirt. And for those of you who've always thought that bunny hedged in a little too much on the territory that he shouldn't be, this is your Easter. I'm telling you, could that be fun? I, I'm t the band, they're getting ready. They're, they're getting ready. They're going to bring it. I'm going to bring it. I want to encourage you to bring it on June the 13th. Seriously, invite somebody to come to Easter services with you. Won't that be hilarious? Invite them. Like, we're having Easter, man. We're going to celebrate the resurrection on June the 13th. Let's pack the houses and let's celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And this time, there doesn't have to be anything else that gets in the way of your heart fully focused on him. Couldn't that be fun? I'm saying, let's do it. All right? You like my umbrella? I, I, this might shock you, but I'm not really an umbrella guy. Um, there's not a whole lot to worry about, you know what I'm saying? Um, but my wife let me, just one of those fancy umbrellas. You know what I'm talking about? It goes like the opposite way. Um, now, honestly, I, I have an umbrella tucked away in my vehicle, but... When it's time, like that decision, oh, should we take the umbrella or should I not take the umbrella? I don't. I don't. But today, I did. Because the umbrella can help us learn something vital to life. Those of you who have a boss that treats you with little respect. Expects much from you, 
but seems to be grateful for really nothing that you do. Or how about you're out to eat and you're about to be seated at a table when you recognize, hey, that, that, there's that table, man, right over by the window. Could, could we seat at that table? And, and, and the response is, I'm sorry, sir, that table is taken. Well, it doesn't look like it's taken because there's nobody seated at it. Or how about you go to the store and this particular store requires wearing a mask. And you're like, don't you know that the mask mandate has been lifted? And the response is yes, but the ownership of this store has determined to leave it in place. Or maybe it's your kid is not getting the playing time that she deserves. You know what I'm talking about? She is the best player on the team, but that coach will not play her. Or maybe you're 16 years old and your parents have set this thing called a curfew. It's earlier than everyone else's curfew that you know. And probably earlier than every other 16-year-old's curfew on the planet. Help from an umbrella? Yes. Let me show you something. Luke chapter 20, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple... The temple courts and proclaiming the good news, the chief priest and the teachers of the law together with the elders. Let me just pause there and tell you those three groups of people, typically they are always they are always trying to navigate more power than the other, that they they were at odds with each other, but on this day they are unified. They come up to Jesus. Tell us. By what authority you are doing these things, they said. Who gave you this authority? So to understand the story that we're looking at today, we got to define these things, right? Why are you doing these things, Jesus? What is that? Well, for example, he's teaching in the temple. He's teaching in the temple courts. Jesus, you're teaching in the temple courts and you have not been ordained by the Sanhedrin. Jesus, you've never even been to seminary. These things, like a triumphal entry, Jesus, right, riding into the city on the donkey. And Jesus, the people are are shouting that you are the Messiah and you are not shutting them down. That's blasphemy. And Jesus... You walk into the temple again. You did this at the beginning of your ministry. You're doing it again. You walk into the temple and you turn over the tables of legitimately, properly licensed vendors. The priest gave them permission to be there. Who do you think you are? 
Look at verse 2 again. Tell us by what authority. Tell us by what authority you are doing these things. They said, who gave you this authority? A simple way to understand authority is to grasp the two Greek words that can be used in the Bible in translating authority. One of them is the word dunamis. It sounds a little bit like dynamite because that's where we get our English word dynamite from. It's translated authority sometimes. It's often translated power. It refers to the ability to do something. The second word, exousia, it's the word that's used in the story today. It refers to the right to do something. So two words, both translated authority. The ability to do something, the power to do something, and the right to do something. I'm going to put those together, and this is the way I'm describing authority to you. Authority is power and permission. So to have all authority is to have all the power, and it's to have all the permission to do whatever you want to do. So the only way that these religious leaders who confront Jesus on that day are wrong, right? They're saying, Jesus, who do you think you are? Who, what authority do you think you have? The only way those leaders are wrong is if he is God. And he is. Jesus has both the ability and the right to do whatever he wants. He has all power and he has all permission. He is God, he has all authority. Now, we have been building on this truth over and over with every chapter of Luke that passes. The question, is he the Messiah? Is Jesus really God? Because if the answer to that is yes, then he operates with all authority and our lives should be under his authority. This is the ultimate question. Will you live under God's authority or someone else's, like yourself? And if you do, then your question may be very similar to Jesus, just like the leaders of, of that day. Jesus, who do you think you are stepping into my world and overturning the tables of what I determine to be right? Today, I want us to realize this truth. God is the authority. And he always works through authority. I'll say it again. God is the authority. And he always works through authority. So he has all power and he has all permission, but he also sets up authority. There is, there is authority in work. There is authority in government. There is authority in family. And so I'm just going to shoot straight to the question, all right? Why? 
God, why, why would you place authority over us? And I'm not going to drag out the answer for you. I'm just going to give it to you up front. It's protection. It's protection. God, why do you always work through authority? God, why would you place authority over us? It's protection. Let me show you a couple of examples. Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. I'm telling you, he always works through authority. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Now here's what he goes on to say. He goes on to say, look, if you're doing what's right, you don't have to worry about anything. But if you're doing what's wrong, well, the government authorities have been placed there for good in order to punish those who do wrong. In fact, right after that, he says, you should pay your taxes. You should pay your taxes because those people are in place to work for your good, to work for order, to work for your protection. Protection. Let me give you another one. Ephesians chapter 6. You're going to like this one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. This is to help keep you alive. He's like, I place the authority of parents. It's for protection. It's to help keep you alive. That they will guide you, that they will direct you, that that there is protection in your life. So here we go. Protection. How crazy would it be for me to walk around like this? Look at my umbrella. It's raining. Or it's hailing, right? Or for me, the sun is shining. You know, it's like if I step out from under the protection, there are elements that can mess me up. So somebody taught me something a long time ago that I'm praying will sink into your heart today. It goes like this. We got to get under what God has put over us. So that we are able to get over what God has put under us. That's good. That's why I've never forgot it. We got to learn to get under what God has put over us, authority, so that we 
are then able to get over those things that God says he intends for us to be able to get over. Quick note, parents, I encourage you to be careful that you do not sow seeds of rebellion against authority in your kids. You say, I would never do that. Well, I'm just reminding you that when you choose to bash their teacher, when you choose to criticize their coach, when you slam the police officer, there may come a day where you are sitting in my office asking me the question, why are my kids being rebellious? And sometimes the answer is simply tied to the fact that they just grew from the seeds of rebellion that you planted in them. Be careful. Be careful. Another quick note, sometimes people will ask the question, well, okay, God tells us to be under authority, but, but what happens when that authority, right, is asking me to do something illegal or immoral? Right? That's the question I always get. Everybody wants to know the answer to that question when in reality, that really only happens, I'm going to say, well, less than 5% of the time. It really does, right? But there are moments where maybe it's in your work and they ask you to lie about the product, right? You're, you're, you're to sell the product you, and they're asking you to lie about it. What do you do about that? Well, You could pray for them. It's like, I know that, but what am I supposed to do? No, like, you could pray for them. Like, instead of only complaining about what they're asking you to do, actually pray. Actually pray. And then you could, it may come to, after you pray, you may have to share your personal conviction with them and why this is a matter for your heart. But don't do that condemning them. All right, don't start with you're going to hell because you're making me, right, sell that. Don't, don't, don't start there. And then it might be you, it, you're the one who's going to present a creative alternative. Here's how we make this better. But I'm telling you that to get to this statement. Sometimes you will do all of that correctly and you will suffer for it. But here's what I want you to know. It's much better to suffer under God's authority than it is to suffer outside of it. It is much better to suffer under God's authority than it is to suffer outside it. So let me show you one other text that I think helps us grasp Something of what's behind all this, this whole deal of, of, of what God's doing with authority in our lives. Let me show you. First Peter chapter 5, Peter was one of the disciples. You, you know, he's, he's one of those strong personality guys. Look at what he apparently learned from Jesus. In the same way, you who are younger, 
Submit yourself to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Let's talk about this for a second. He says, I want you to submit. Submit is in what's called the present tense, which means we would translate it, keep on submitting yourself to those who have wisdom. That's what the elders were all about. Keep on submitting yourself to to those who have wisdom. Make this an ongoing way of your life. Some of you who are young, you struggle with why things are done a certain way. Maybe you struggle with why things are done in, in your home. Maybe you struggle with why things are done with where you work. Because you believe you could do it better. Can I tell you a secret? We all thought that. Most all of us thought that at some point in our life. But sometimes you don't know why things are done a certain way because you don't yet have a long enough track record of wisdom. Now, come on, it's not your fault. You can only live so fast, right? It's like you you can only have so many birthdays so fast. It's not your fault. It's just you're young. You haven't had a chance to do enough light to, to, to build up the track record of wisdom. Here's what God put in place. He goes, do you recognize I have given you authority that you can be under where you can learn wisdom without having to make the mistakes yourself? So clothe yourselves. That's the word. It is a metaphor. It's a rare word in in scripture. It's a metaphor that pictures a servant putting on an apron. And come on, you got to believe that Peter, his mind is going back to that upper room, right? That last meal before the cross where it says Jesus wraps a towel around his waist and he washes the disciples' feet. He serves them. Humility recognizes we always need others. But humility's foundation is recognizing we always need God. And when we have authority issues, it's actually God issues. When we have authority issues, it's actually issues with God. Because look at where Peter takes this next. Because, that's his word, because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Now, if we just stop long enough to consider, we read the Bible, what are the consequences of rebellion against authority? Well, early on, We've got an enemy that we name Satan whose pride, right, leads him to rebel against God. And what happens? He is cast away from heaven. Then in a garden, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve who who rebel against God, what happens? They are cast away from the garden. God's people 
arrive at the land that he had promised them that they could enter, but they would not believe him. They rebelled against him, and what? They are cast away from Canaan. You get stories like Jonah. God says, do this. Jonah's like, no, I'm not going to do that. He is literally cast away from a boat, right? It is the picture of what happens when we step out from underneath the authority. But when we become intoxicated with our own pride, we're signing up for hurt. That's where it's going. When we're opposed to God's way, we are opposed to him. But when we're under God's authority, then suddenly when we find ourselves in circumstances that we don't like, we don't have to manipulate people to figure out how to make this work. I'm in this circumstance, it doesn't seem right, but what I know I'm not going to do, I'm not going to manipulate the people around me in order to make this right. I I don't have to hurry God's timing because it's perfect. Now sometimes, I'm being honest, God's timing seems slow to me, right? You've heard the phrase, in due time. Right? You ever find yourself telling God, this do seem like the right time, God? Right? But you know what I've learned? The reason that God's timing seems slow to me is because I think this is the solution. And he's not working the solution that I think is the answer to the problem. What if that's actually not his solution? You got a choice when you find yourself in those circumstances. Do I start to pull strings? Do I start to strong arm strategies? Do I I start to make things happen? You're not getting the promotion. You're not yet getting the raise that you deserve. If you manipulate in order to get that, you are declaring that you do not trust what God knows is best for you. Now, here's, here's the pushback. You're like, Jeff, that ain't the way the world works. I know. I know. But the Bible says in God's kingdom, it's about letting him promote you. It's about letting him do the exalting. And then if he does, you're going to know it's him. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying stop working hard. I'm saying you're not getting promoted. You're to keep on working hard. That's That's the picture. We are to always do the very best that we can do. You keep trying to move forward unless he says, wait. I'm saying it's possible to make something happen that God doesn't want. Not because you're more powerful than God but because you and I can sin. We can. Instead, here's what Peter says, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. 
humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. To submit to authority is, is ultimately to, to put myself under God's mighty hand. But some of you may not be sure if you actually want to be under God's mighty hand because you're not sure if God's mighty hand is going to crush you or care for you. And so Peter continues. Cast all your anxiety on him because he, what? cares for you. He cares for you. This verse 7 is not a new sentence, honestly, in the original language. It's what's called a subordinate clause, which means it is fully attached to the verse that is right before it that says, humble yourself under God's mighty hand. And the connecting piece of that is so that you can cast, right? Now, this is not cast like fishing. When you cast like fishing, you cast and you what? You reel it back in. You cast and you reel it back in. It's not that kind of cast. This is the cast that is to throw it upon something else, to throw our lives on the mercy of God. How cool is it when you place yourself under the authority of God's mighty hand, you are not cast away, but your burdens and your fears and your worries, they are cast away because you get to cast that on him. Confidence that the mighty hand of God is not over you to crush you, but to care for you. You say, but sometimes I still worry. Me too. And you know what we got to do when we start to feel that kind of worry, that kind of anxiety? You got to preach to your own heart. Heart, who do you think you are to be afraid of the future and deny the promise of God? He cares for me. You know those moments when you're talking to somebody and their body language is saying back to you that they don't care what you are caring about? You know what I'm talking about? I'm glad I've never had that feeling with you. You know what I'm saying? When you're talking about something and the look that you're getting back is like, that person does not care about what I am caring about in this moment. Listen to me. God has never done that to you. When it comes to the work, the burden, the fears that you face, I think sometimes people think, man, but my stuff is so little. It's like God's got the Middle East to worry about. You know what I'm saying? I think I'm just going to take care of this. And God's like, come on, give me the burden. Christianity is not about your problems totally going away. It's that the God of the universe carries them for you. So let's be humble. Why wouldn't we? Well, either we're not convinced of who God is or just sometimes we let our heart get caught up in the current of pride in this world. When we do, come on. 
we got to get under what God has put over us so that through his mighty hand we learn to get over what he's put under us. Mm. Well, we should probably finish our story in Luke chapter 20. How's Jesus going to respond that they're questioning his authority? Who do you think, you ever realize how ridiculous that is? He is God and they're, who do you think you are? Watch this. Verse 3, he replied, I'll also ask you a question. Tell me, John's baptism, was it from heaven or from human origin? Now that whole question for a question is a, is a very common teacher style in Jesus' day. You would answer a question with a question that caused the student to actually think Make them think. Make them dig a little deeper. Jesus is not evading the answer. He's actually unmasking the hypocrisy of this group of people who are approaching him with the question. They know the answer to their own question because Jesus has said it to them multiple times. He has told them where his authority comes from. Now they're just trying to get him to say it so that they can accuse him and they can kill him. And so he reverses the tension with his own question. Hey, is John's baptism from heaven or from men? Watch their response. Verse 5. They discussed it among themselves and said, If we say from heaven, then Jesus is going to ask, Well, why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, all the people will stone us because they're persuaded that John was a prophet. So they answered, We don't know where it was from. Wimps. They're stuck. If they admit that John's from God, because when it says baptism, it's really referring to the whole ministry of John here. If they say John's from God, do you remember what John's message was? Jesus is the Messiah. Okay, they don't want to go there. They they certainly don't want to admit that Jesus is the Messiah. But if they say that that this is just something that John made up and that that people went along with, they're afraid that this crowd's going to stone them. Now, now to stone them in that day was to pick up stones and literally throw them at people. Sometimes they, they would, in addition to that, put them at the bottom of a cliff, and then they would roll these big stones off onto the top of them. Either way, it's a horrible kind of picture. Why would they, why would they do that? Because the people would go back to the Old Testament and numbers of places in the Old Testament where it very specifically said, if there's a prophet from God and you say he's not from God, there's a consequence. And they're like, they'll stone us. Now, that whole conversation, does that not tell you how volatile this crowd was in terms of their temporary excitement about Jesus? But what comes next is the saddest part of the story. Verse 8. Jesus said, Neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. He asked them a question. John, from heaven or men? They're like, we don't know. 
he says that I'm not going to give you an answer either. What's that about? Here's what it's about. Jesus had spoken to those leaders over and over and over and over and over again. Jesus doesn't give up on people, all right? He will die, he will rise. And on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people in this city will come to believe in him. He's not giving up on the people. But when it comes to these leaders who have rejected his authority over and over and over again, and he has told them the truth of who he is, and they have, they have willfully rejected that light over and over and over again. He's like, there is no reason to give them more. There's a phrase that, that, that's used in the New Testament that Jesus uses where it talks about casting pearls before pigs. It's the imagery of something really valuable. Why would you throw that in a pig pen? Well, this good news of who Jesus is this truth of him being the Messiah who has come to redeem. It, it is the most valuable of pearls. And he's saying no more. Even at the resurrection, these leaders would make up lies. And they even say it. We gotta, tell, we gotta come up with a lie. We gotta come up with a story that they stole his body. We'll get there. This is judgment. His silence is judgment upon that leadership of Israel. Can I tell you that sometimes, sometimes this is what breaks my heart when I think about how this applies to a church like us. Because there are some of you who are listening to my voice that just recently, it's like Jesus has invaded your world and the light has come on about who he really is and how he really loves you. He's turned that light on. And for some of you, you've been walking this out a little while, like, like okay, this isn't the first day he's done that, but, but it's getting brighter and it's getting brighter and it's getting brighter in terms of him showing you who he really is and how he really loves you, but likewise, part that I think about sometimes is that there are also those people who are like the leaders on the day this story took place with Jesus and the door is shutting because how many times will you hear the gospel how many times will you hear the good news of Jesus who died for your sin and rose from the dead? And how many times will you reject it until the Lord comes to a place where he goes, no more. Now again, I don't know when that is. I don't decide when that is. You don't decide when that is. But we know from scripture there are moments he decides, no more. Today. Today, I beg you with 
all of my heart that you would submit to his authority. That you would recognize who he is as the king of kings and lord of lords who has all power and all permission. And with that, he has chosen to invite you to live under his mighty hand. Not to crush you, but to lift you up. To protect, to love. My prayer today is that if you have heard the good news and you have heard the good news and you have heard the good news, that you do not wait too long, but that today you would simply, from your heart, call out to the mighty one and he will take you. Let's pray. God, today we we proclaim that you you are all authority. All power, all permission. It is yours. And in this encounter that we read of Jesus, we, we are reminded that you, you always work through authority. And God, there, there are some folks who are listening to this today that God, some who are struggling with that kind of stuff where they work, God, unfair things that take place, God, a, a lack of, of gratitude, a lack of honor. God, there, there are some that uh, it, it may be with a team, it may be, God, as simple as a, a restaurant or a curfew. But God, I'm asking you to help us to recognize today that you place authority in our lives to protect. And I'm asking you to help us today, God, to want to, to want to get under what you have placed over us. God, your authority, your mighty hand. God, will you help us to be willing to get under what you have placed over us so that we will be able to get over, God, what you've put under us. God, the, the burdens that we feel, the, the worry that we sometimes experience, God, the fears that we deal with. God, will you help us to know how to triumph over those things that you've called us to be over? But that's never going to happen when we're standing outside the umbrella. God, I also just want to pray today for those who may find themselves in circumstances that they've done a whole lot of things that are right, a lot of things that are honorable. They've been praying, they've been trying to figure it out, and they are suffering. 
They are suffering because those who are in authority over them are causing suffering. God, I am asking that just in a very special way today, the peace that comes from your hand, the comfort that comes from your hand, God, the love that comes from your hand, it would be felt today as you wrap them up and they know, God, that even though this feels so unfair, you've got them. You've got them. And then, God, I pray. I pray for those who need to say yes to you. God, for those of us who need by faith to take the step that says, God, we will never earn it, but we come to you by faith asking that you would take us, that you would forgive us. God, I pray today for those who need to put their trust in you. You have given them good news over and over. You have turned the light on as to who you are. God, today, would you give us faith to trust That our lives will always declare, God, it is your will and it is your way. We don't want to fight against you. God, we want to be with you. It is your will. It is your way. In the name of Jesus, we pray.